Welcome to the Two Blokes Trading Podcast, sponsored by our partner broker, Pepperstone. So, Elliot, you're the new bloke. Yes, Kev, thanks for having me. I'm really, really excited to, to get going, actually. Yeah, delighted to be here. Tell, tell everyone a bit about yourself. Where, where, what's, your, what's your background? Where, 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 what are you about? Yeah, so graduated um, in economics uh, 2018, um, went straight into work, um, done a bit of consultancy, Went into cryptocurrency trading for a global crypto firm, um, learning how to trade like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a couple of other cryptos. Um, really got an understanding of how like the market works, uh, the fundamentals behind it all, you know, central banks, blockchain, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then in my last position, I had worked as an analyst for a research house. So I had lots of exposure to foreign exchange, cryptocurrency, stocks, all that kind of thing. So I like to think I'm in a in a good place to provide my expertise to two blokes trading. Nice. So, how how did you get into trading? Did you see one of these forex traders on Instagram and <laughs> saw the, the Lambos and stuff? Do you know what it was? <laughs> um, you see those things on Instagram, and you think, "Oh, wow, I do want a bit of that." But then some of you also think, "Right, is that a scam? Like, is that too good to be true?" But I guess I guess me personally, I was just a bit bit bored of the nine to five like I wanted something different and I mm. think that's that's what trading can do for you you can you can live life on your own terms obviously it's easier said than done it's extremely hard work you got you got to work hard and stuff like that but mm. I think it's just the law of having like your own life um fitting it around your life and being able to make your own money and be your own boss in a, in a world that's quite un- unpredictable where people are getting laid off left right and center I think it's such a good mechanism for you to to make money and make a living yeah definitely so w- where would you say you're at at the moment in your trading journey yeah, so I'm about two and a half years into my journey. Um, it's a good way to describe it, actually. Mm. It's a journey. It's not an overnight thing. It's never, you know, it's never going to happen overnight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been through the, the standard support and resistance strategy. Started off with that, um, you know, using like large account sizes without really understanding risk management, you know, really trying to get the big buck overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sort of realized, well, you know what, this isn't going to work. Um, there's there's going to have to be a bit more structure and discipline to the way I'm doing things. So I played around with a couple of strategies. And then I came across smart money concepts, okay. um, supply and demand trading. And I've done that for about a year now. So I think I'm more at home with that. Mm. Um, I think it's really good to try and trade like the, the banks who, you know, at the end of the day, the central banks are the ones shifting all the currencies in the market. And I think if you can learn to see it in their mind. I think that's a really, really good place to start from. So yeah, yeah that's where I am now, about two and a half years in. And Def- um, definitely. yeah, eager to know more really. So like, we're obviously, so what I say, I always say to people, for me, from experience, obviously it's not everyone, you know, you, you get star players that are coming up in the game that are quite quick at sort of adapting to trading and get become profitable. But I always say, like the first four years is, is as you as a trader really sculpts you. So like year one is just total failure. Year two is failure, but a little bit less. Three, yeah, there's a little bit of balance now. There's some wins cropping up, so you got you're balancing it out with the with those failures, so wins and losses. And then year four, like, is you know time to to make that money. Basically, you know you've proven profitable, you've gained that experience under your belt, you've made all those mistakes that sculpted you, and now sort of you're on your way to to being a profitable and consistent trader. So. Obviously, you're at two and a half years. Are you finding yourself quite profitable now at this stage? And yeah, so you know what? For the last few months, I'd say I've I've really started to become profitable. Um, it's basically you know refining your strategy, finding out what works, what doesn't work, really learning the concepts behind you know liquidity, imbalance, um, you know the the market opening hours, like Asia liquidity. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing for me. 
Um, and it's just really avoiding the traps that the market sets because, you know, the big banks in a way, they're, they're actually like bastards because mm. they set traps for you to fall into. They um, do indeed. They'll, they'll induce you into positions. You take it, you think, oh, I'm onto a winner here. And then all of a sudden you get stopped out. Yep. I think it's just really sort of understanding those booby traps that the market sets. So yeah, the last few months have been, um, been profitable, refined the strategy, having really specific rules. Um, for example, one of my rules is to only uh, to trade like traded demand or a supply zone when it's had two taps and a change of character. I know yep. it's a bit technical right now, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's just little things like that that I've sort of been added to my trading plan, you know, watching stuff on YouTube. There's a lot of, and uh, sorry, YouTube um, on the internet. There's lots of free content out there that you can use to your advantage. So yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment and just hoping to, you know, really, really get those results um, as soon as possible. That's it. That's it. Well, that's the, that's the goal, isn't it? So with you, you know, when you're obviously approaching, I'm, I'm interrogating you at the moment, but I, I need, I need <laughs> oh, to, I've got obviously getting to know you and the, the viewer, the listeners are getting to know you. So like when you're about to approach the market, do you consider like macros, fundamentals? Definitely. Yeah. I think it's good to have an understanding of, of the macros that are going on. I think the main ones you need to know are the, the central bank interest rate policies, whether they, they're going to put rates up, whether they're going to put rates down, what inflation's doing, um, is inflation hot, is it getting a bit cooler? Um, I think you can look at all the other sort of more technical things like, you know, durable goods, all those little little ones, but I don't think they have much of an impact in the mm-hmm. way that the big, the big um, market moving decisions make. But yeah, I think before you do a trade, it's always important to know the fundamentals. Um Yes, technic- some people do do it just off technicals, which is absolutely fine. But yep. for me personally, I need to have that fundamental background of what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, buddy. Well, just on your point, you know, you're saying how, you know, like smaller data, like durable goods, so on and so forth. Like, you know, like, for example, un- unemployment claims, a weekly number from the US before it didn't have like a big impact. But now people are paying attention to it. Like everyone, particularly for the US right now, because there's times when the markets start focusing on certain things like right now the rhetoric that's driving the markets is like interest rates you know as you say and it's like how aggressive are the fmc going to be how consecutive consecutive are they consistent are they going to be with raising interest rates and so markets just looking for any excuse now even as small as it is like the unemployment claims last week really moved the dollar because they dropped again um because people just find an excuse to just keep pricing those you know those interest rate rises so like even right now even those little bits of data for the united states i think like are important yeah, yeah, definitely. You're right. Especially, like you say, with the, the, the market's been so fixed on um, interest rates and inflation mm. for quite a while. And yeah, do you know, do you know what? Those little um, pieces of data can actually help you find your edge. Mm. Um, yeah, like you say, the um, the jobs claims is quite a hot labour market in the US at the moment. And, you know, that, that could actually be a very important factor. You know, more people working, more people going out to spend money, driving prices up. So, exactly. yeah, th- there's, there is like so much um, evidence and truth to the, the smaller figures. I'm not saying don't look out, th- yeah. out for them whatsoever, you know, but yeah, it's, it's just for me, it's the big, big news that really drives the markets. But yeah, there's no harm in looking at the little pieces too. Yeah, it's interesting because you, you said, obviously, you're supply and demand trader. That's, what, that's how I trade. Uh, that's the bulk of my trading. Obviously, there are a number of confluences that tie in with the, the supply and demand. But I feel like I've met quite a number of people that, you know, that are focused on fundamentals as well, are aware of them and implement them, that use supply and demand as well. Because it, it sort of goes hand in hand. Like you've got, obviously, underlying themes that are driving the market, right? And then, you know, these 
say for example right right now um you know last three weeks it's intensified in terms of the dollar upside because everyone's again fixated on these interest rate rises to come so like the theme there obviously when we got when we got a technical trend you know say for example the dollar to the upside we're buying the dips right now fundamentally it's to the upside for the dollar or the last sort of three going on four weeks so any dip or pullback that we're seeing is being bought because of that fundamental theme of the fomc but then you know you know technically as well we have uh, a structure to the upside it's buying a dip so and it, so my point is when uh, supply and demand goes hand in hand because you, you're looking out for those key zones anyway you know and, and if you're in line with the fundamentals you keep an eye on those key buying areas those key uh, supply areas and they sort of go hand in hand if you know what i mean yeah of course yeah. yeah i think there's so much you can add to that as well you know you can add the um like the fibonacci if you really want to mm. getting those really deep pullbacks which can really help you to ride the trend out Definitely. Um, there's also like other indicators you can use, like whether it's overbought, o- oversold in the RSI. Um, but yeah, they're all just confluences, really. That's it. Um, you, can, you can use trend lines, you know, EMAs, all that sort of stuff. But it really just what works for you, I'd say, to be honest. It's, it's how you marry those up together. Um, personally, I'm not a massive user of indicators. So I'm mass- not a massive user of indicators. Mm. I think sometimes volume for me, you can really see like the, the areas where that money transfer is happening. I, I think the volume areas are especially key during the London Open. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to interrupt this podcast with an important notice. At Two Blokes Trading, we have a community trading app where you can engage with the blokes and like-minded traders to help you on your journey. There is a ton of free analysis across Forex, crypto, stocks and commodities. We also have in-depth premium analysis with trade ideas, education, live trading sessions and more for those that sign up via our broker sponsorship page. A nominal deposit of just $200 and start trading with Pepper stone and then get full access to the two blokes trading app just quickly when yeah. you say money transfer just just for obviously our listeners what do you mean by that like- yeah it's a money transfer so it's where there are resting orders where the market needs to go back to to fill those orders so mm-hmm. obviously the central banks um it, it wants to mitigate positions and take orders back to like the original move if you like mm. so it's up to the central bank to move those orders get them filled and then take the market in the di- in the direction that it wants to um so yeah that that's just um, something that I've come to learn, um, yeah, two and a half years down the line. And it's, it's a really interesting thing that you can use for your trade. And, and I'll definitely um, be talking about more about that in the coming weeks, hopefully. Nice. Good man. Now, I'm excited. We're excited to have you on board. Um, the, obviously, our, our listeners are people that are obviously on a, on a journey similar to yourself. And, you know, you seem you seem to have got a good grasp for how your methodology, how you approach the markets. And I'm sure people are going to take away a lot of value. So what we'll do, let's have a look at, obviously, this is the market um the market podcast. Let's have a quick recap of what we've had this week. Um, I'm going to start off on Monday, right? Because this was quite important for me. This is the BOJ governor, Uida. Uida, he's going to be replacing, um, what's his name? He's been there for years. Um, uh, BOJ's Kuroda. I think it's Kuroda. Anyway, so we've got an existing BOJ governor who um, has implemented something so ultra dovish, like they had yield uh, control, uh, yield curve control policy um you know they've had negative rates for so long because japan suffered with years of deflation inflation's actually starting to pick up now this ueda guy who's coming in is going to replace replace karuda uh in april he's seen as a hawk right so he's more in favor of tightening monetary policy raising interest rates cutting qe but on monday he said that um he threw like a sort of cold water on what the markets were hoping for uh, he said that basically we're not going to rush to change this ultra easing policy at least for the next year so like yen actually then weakened on that front because markets were pricing in hoping that he was going to be hawkish yeah. but he's not um so yeah that shifted markets on monday a little bit um and then what else have we had i feel like with a lot of the dollar rated this week we've been we've been ranging we've been ranging 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 like if you look at a dixie look yeah look last look whole week look at that look at that narrow range 
Yeah, I, I just, narrow. The market just doesn't really know where to turn at the moment. Like, like we said before, that you got the in inflation and interest rates, but then yeah, you've also got the the jobless claims came in um, earlier this week as well, and that was pretty. That was a bit softer than expected as well, actually. So yeah, yeah. There's there's lots of things going on. There's lots of um, indecision. I would say, obviously, the about the next basis hike for the US is it going to be really aggressive like we've seen in the past at like 0.5% basis hike or is it going to be 0.25% exactly so there's all that to consider as well yeah and I think we are we're battling at the moment because we're battling between um, you know obviously this dollar this dollar rhetoric but then also I don't know if you saw but China like we had good data from China this week like they're manufacturing PMIs so that is really encouraging for, you know, for risk appetite, a risk play, uh, China rebounding after their lockdown for so many years. Obviously, they literally locked up their, everyone for how, however long, but now they're rebounding. Like their manufacturing makes up a huge part of the Chinese economy. So yeah, cool. like earlier in the week, that was helping risk appetite. So market's just at a bit of a, you know, a bit of a crossroads for the time being. But I mean, for me, I'm still expecting the dollar to push the upside. I don't know what your your view is on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting dollar upside as well. I've, I saw uh, this morning, actually, that two-year yields are up about 5%, which is the highest level they've had since 2007. Yeah. And obviously, that's going to invite more inflows to the dollar. Um, and yeah, I, I just think um, Jerome Powell's going to, you know, carry on with the carry on with the rate hikes considering the the tight job market at the moment as well yeah so yeah for me as well i do agree with you ken i think i think the dollar's definitely on for more up, more upside sorry okay yeah and and talking about power we've actually got him next week he's testifying so mark is going to be clinging the hell until every single word this guy says next week because uh, i think this this obviously comes ahead of the rate decision next the the week following that yeah um so i just wonder if you know what what's he going to say is he the hawks well, the, the dollar balls will be uh, wanting something very hawkish. Yeah. Um, I just don't know whether he'll be tight-lipped ahead of the, the, decision, the decision. Yeah, of course. Um, I think there's a lot resting on the um, the inflation data release as well. And the, I think that's on the 14th, I think that is. Oh, that'll be following. I um, feel... Yeah, yeah, sorry, following week as well. Um, yeah, it will be. It will be. But yeah, Powell, he's got a reputation of, you know, moving the market one way than the other. So we have True. to see what he says. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. What else we've got going on next week? Um, we also have, oh, okay, it's a big one. So we've got non-farm payrolls this week as well, So uh, next week. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Obviously, Labour, we had a blockbuster one last month. Look, 517,000 jobs added to the economy. Yeah, so obviously crazy. that really boosted the, the rate rising rhetoric as well. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's enough... The economy's performing well enough, it's resilient enough, and it can withstand hikes. Yeah, of course. Um, so we'll keep an eye, obviously, on that. Um, outside of that, any other themes that you're aware of, sort of across the board? Yeah, so I was taking a look at the um, the pound as well, and I, yeah. I just I just was I was thinking I think I'm very bearish on the pound at the moment mm. compared to other other Bring economies. Up, yeah. yeah, thank you. Compared to other economies such as um, the US, the EU, the pound's got more of a dovish stance, I'd say. Bailey right. spoke earlier this week and he said he that did. he he wasn't absolutely 100% sure of pissing up um, rates by 0.25% basis yeah. points. Um, I think it's March 22nd, they next meet. But he wasn't absolutely sure of that. I think the reason for that was because there's there's a lot of um, homes in the UK who, who have to like remortgage have to remortgage, sorry. Yeah. And he's very reluctant to put up rates and then, you know, really strain the pockets of those people with mortgages more. So he's got a bit of a balancing that there as well. I feel um, you on that. Well said. Yes. And sorry. So yeah, I'll probably be looking for shorts against the pound compared to, you know, more other policies and more currencies with strong with stronger, like more hawkish tones, like the like the dollar and euro. Definitely. He uh, at, at the last 
Bank of England rate decision as well. He'd said that inflation was at a turning point, which was quite a comment for him to, st- to, to note. Um, you know, obviously it lets down the GBP balls of any aggr- further aggressiveness from the Bank of England. Um, just on your point, actually, as well, uh, you know, consumers feeling, feeling a squeeze. Just on that point, I was looking the other day, actually, and, you know, house prices, they've been on a decline for five consecutive months. Um, there's a lot more um, mortgage applications being declined. Like, I feel like, it's a big statement to make, but I just feel like it's an imminent crash, you know, especially especially if they do continue to gradually raise interest rates. The consumer is going to be further out of the pocket. Inflation's still freaking high, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, 10.1%, I think. You know, is, is, yeah, it's crazy. Is the demand still going to be there for phys- actually buying a house, you know? And yeah. at some point, uh, is this bubble going to pop? Because it's just, it's been, it's been rising for years, like yeah. nonstop, one-way train. It has, yeah. I, th- I think you're right in thinking that, to be honest. Mm. It, it could definitely be... Yeah, maybe not a crash, but, you know, definitely a massive decline in the decline. housing market. And, yeah, lots of people are going to be a lot worse off. And that's just the way it's going at the yeah, moment, which is the sorry state of the UK economy, I'm afraid. I know, I know. And just looking technically here, just uh, having a little look. You So, obviously, this on, just pulling this up on a monthly. Um, look, for me, if you look there in January, I like to look at, like, candlestick behaviour as well. And that looks like a bit of a, you know, a bit of an evening star appearing at the, appearing at the top of the trend. Yeah. Validated then by February, closure below that. Yeah. So it could be trending to the downside here. Obviously, we ran into quite a heavy amount of supply there at 124. And now we're just yeah. finding psychological support. If we look on the weekly, we're finding a lot of support at just at 120, there or thereabouts. And yeah. if you look, we're just moving on the daily within a, just a narrowing triangle structure, just subject yeah. to really coming to test that area to the downside. And I think, yeah, it could really open the floodgates if this is breached yeah, what in we- this region. Yeah, definitely. What we might see as well, we might see a bit more consolidation ahead of like the big announcements that we've got coming up as well. So yeah. after those announcements are made, it's, I like to think of it as like pressure building up into a valve and then once that announcement comes, it just releases that pressure and you, you sort of see that in the markets as well. Like the candles can really like break out True. once that date is released. So yeah, we have to watch out for that. But yeah, down, downside looks really probable for GU. Yeah. yeah, no, nice call. Let's quickly talk about Euro just to round this off because um, obviously we've had an e- a hawkish ECB. You know, they've yeah. been raising interest rates. They've been gearing the markets up for hikes. Um, obviously, you know, euro versus dollar particularly is is, is still struggling um, because obviously the FOMC, no one's moving as aggressive as the FOMC really, are they? No. Um, so what's your take on euro? Not necessarily just euro dollar, but euro in general. Yeah, so I, I saw the inflation figures from the euro that came out this week, and yeah, it's, it's yeah, very sort of sticky high inflation. It's still high, aren't they? Yeah, it's still it, high I inflation. It, yeah, I think it remained pretty unchanged, actually. I think there was a here, 0.1% difference. Look, here. Yeah. So slightly higher, slightly higher. Yeah. So it is sticky. Yeah, very sticky. So, uh, you know, Christine Lagarde is going to have to, you know, really sort of consider the prospect of further rate hikes there. Definitely. Um, it's a lot more hawkish compared to the UK as well. So It is. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, you know, like the Eurozone, I put out a piece on it before. I wrote quite, quite a few factors. Like the Eurozone's looking solid. Like employment's good in the Eurozone. Wages are there. Um, inflation's obviously high. There's room for them to hike, to continue to hike. So, like, if you pick out Euro versus certain peers, Euro could really have an advantage to the upside. Like, what were you doing with Eurocad the other day? Were you just out of interest? Yeah, Eurocad. I, I, I went long know. on the Euro, actually. Okay. Um, I found a nice nice demand zone. I think it's a one-hour demand zone. If you wanted to get it up, it's yeah, let's, like, let me, let's put it up. Um, and I saw that um, the the dollar, which the, the Canadian dollar sort of is correlates to. Yeah. I saw that the the data coming out of um, Euro uh, was slightly more hawkish. Right. Uh, I just had the instinct to pull the trigger, and there was a l- bit of induce. Yeah, there's a bit of inducement above my zone as well, which I okay. just sort of use as like which you can use as fuel, uh, which the banks normally do. Um, so yeah, I just went for a long and yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, um, I think we'll definitely um, be the the members will be interested to see how you sort of approach markets when you yeah. break it down. I'm lo- I'm looking forward to seeing your videos, mate. Yeah, I can't wait. See to how you uh, you break things down. Yeah, I can't wait to tell it. you more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. So I think pretty much that's it in terms of our coverage for this week. I'll say actually, let me just round off. Obviously, um, just for us indice traders, stocks have been coming off a little bit just because of obviously the the interest rate rise rhetoric. Uh, oh, shizzles. I can't bring this up for some reason. All right, sod it. But um, anything else? I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? Major yeah, themes. I think that's about it. Yeah. One thing I did see with the indices actually that you just said there, um, they they were actually up this week. I think that was about half percentage. Uh, the Nasdaq, the US thirty. Basically, the indices were a bit more happy about the potential for not 0.5 percent right. rate hike. So it looks like they're going to be slightly less aggressive. So obviously that's a good thing for the indices. Um, yeah, a bit more. Bit more risk appetite there. Um, okay, yeah, and uh, and and I think earlier the week Chinese data also helped uh, as well, led by Asia. So okay, all right, fine. Well, Elliot, there's a good first podcast. Ken, thanks for having me. I can't Hope, wait to do a lot more. I'm hoping we've broken the ice. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we certainly have. Yeah. All right. All right. Cheers. Nice one. Catch you in the next one. Cheers, guys.